When intelligence and defense officials first started experimenting with things like ESP, brainwashing, telepathy, and psychotronic technology, it was for a very simple reason. They believed they could potentially be utilizing an untapped weapon. It wasn't a weapon that could inflict bodily harm and spread widespread destruction from a piece of artillery launched from miles and miles away. This was a weapon whose power was lying dormant in every person on the planet, a three-pound complex network of tissues and cells that not only dictate the things people think and feel, the brain controls the way they behave. Soon they realized that if they could figure out ways to manipulate that weapon, they'd be able to direct the course of human history more effectively than any bomb or gun ever could. And though technological innovations may be unlocking ways to literally hack the wiring of the mind, there's another method of mind control that the CIA and intelligence agencies have long since mastered, thanks in part to men like Richard Doty. A former special agent with the United States Air Force Office of Special Investigation, part of Doty's job was to protect secretive information about advanced technologies being developed by the military. And these advanced technologies may be some of the most groundbreaking engineering feats ever conceived of. But what happens when that information falls into the wrong hands? How do you control the mind of someone who already knows the secrets that he shouldn't? Well, to find out, we have to look no further than the story of a military veteran and electrical physician named Paul Benowitz. When Benowitz started seeing strange lights outside of Sohm over the New Mexico desert, he inadvertently stumbled upon something that would change the course of his life and reveal just how sophisticated intelligence officials had gotten at a very specific kind of mind control. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm a writer, a journalist, and a podcaster. And this is Hiding Something, Season 2. Ultra. Chapter 6. Control. In 1978, Paul Benowitz began seeing strange lights hovering on the horizon and started to believe that he was intercepting alien transmissions on some of his own electronic equipment. A military veteran himself, Benowitz felt a sense of duty to alert officials at the nearby Air Force Base of what he was seeing and hearing. But officials acted in a way that you might not expect. They actually seemed to believe him. Reportedly, Richard Doty and another officer visited the home of Paul Benowitz and later even invited him to the actual base to meet with officials and scientists. Soon, Doty, the Air Force intelligence officer, says he began feeding documents to Benowitz that would confirm his suspicion that an alien invasion was imminent. Except, there was something that Benowitz didn't know. Doty and intelligence officials weren't actually working with him. According to allegations, they were actually conspiring against him. But, because of the nature of many of the events in this story and the involvement of intelligence agencies, a lot of the actual facts surrounding what happened next and why they happened still remain not totally clear. But that might just be by design. Doty would later claim that what Benowitz actually witnessed were actually highly secretive military innovations and worried that if he knew the truth, then he might spill national secrets. So not only did they decide to discredit him, they ended up getting him to question his own sanity. Back in the early 80s, it was my job to confuse the UFO community. And it was very easy to convince Paul. Paul was a World War II veteran. He's very patriotic. He always flew his flag. Those type of people you can convince that, listen, you can't tell anybody else about this because this, you know, you're getting in the wrong hands. 
would we use perception to help shroud what we're trying to protect? Absolutely. If you've got an aerial platform that is highly advanced and the public who happens to get a glimpse of the thing, if they're convinced that it's from Venus and there's no way it could be our military, well, hey, you know, that's, that's awesome. Hell yes. That's a clip from a documentary called Mirage Men, which looks closely at the Benowitz episode. That first voice you hear is actually Doty himself, followed by another former government agent. Again, the details are difficult to confirm, but along with the fake documents, there are allegations that officials even broke into Benowitz's home and his office in their increasingly elaborate efforts to deceive him. The gaslighting got so intense that Benowitz was eventually admitted to a mental facility to treat paranoia. But here's the most brilliant and the most devious part of Doty and his fellow agent's plan. Lost in all of the disinformation and trickery was actually investigating what Benowitz saw over the desert those nights. Whether military technology or UFOs, it's clear that the Air Force was hiding something. But thanks to their efforts to literally control the thoughts of a civilian witness, there's just no way to know what it was. And a quick word about Doty. Even though the Air Force has confirmed some of the details of the Benowitz story, Doty's story has evolved over the years. It might be true, but it could just be more psychological smokescreens. But what we do know is that this method of mind control didn't begin with Benowitz. For decades, intelligence officials have been devising ways to use perception to actually influence an intended reality with something known as black propaganda. The idea is this. If the people receiving information believe that the source is credible, they'll believe that information. But if you need to hide the truth, you don't actually need to discredit the facts. All you have to do is discredit the source of them. It's a trick that works especially well when you're dealing with topics like mind control, ESB, and the paranormal. And it's a trick pulled off on massive scopes in the past. Let's take an example laid out by Annie Jacobson in her book, Phenomenon. If you were an adult in 1941, there's a reasonably good chance that you were familiar with the work of a man named Louis DeWall. Though much of his work has largely been lost to history, DeWall may have actually had a significant role in ending World War II. And it's not because of battlefield instincts. No, DeWall had seemingly mastered a skill that many in Hitler's regime had become obsessed with, using the human mind to accurately foretell and by virtue control the future. DeWall was part of an emerging field in the 1940s, people who dedicated themselves to unlocking what they and many believed were untapped superpowers. Whether it be through divination, that's a term used for people who can find things using only extrasensory mental powers, or telepathy, or looking for mystical patterns in the stars. People at the time were fascinated with the possibility that the mind could become a superweapon. DeWall was a gifted writer, and the public had become fascinated with his column, The Stars Foretell, even though at the time, mind reading, psychics, future telling, they were all serious taboos in American culture. However, in the summer of 1941, at the height of DeWall's popularity, something very strange happened. The FCC, the same group that to this day dictates what is too inappropriate to be broadcast on public airwaves, made a curious decision. They lifted a longtime ban on astrologers and allowed DeWall to be interviewed for a newsreel broadcast that would be viewed by nearly 40 million Americans that year. For context, the first Super Bowl in 1967 pulled in about the same ratings. The interview, which in retrospect may have been part of a campaign that helped end World War II, did something spectacular. It seemed to offer definitive proof that the human mind was capable of more than we realized. It might just be able to travel into the future. 
British intelligence, under increasing pressure from Hitler's Axis forces attempting to overtake Western Europe, knew that they needed a powerful ally like the United States on their side if they were going to defeat the Germans. But the British also knew that there was one surefire way to get the U.S. involved. Turn the political will of the American people to their side. If they could do that, the government would likely follow. But in order to do that, they devised a plan. They would use Americans' increasingly growing interest in the strange powers of the mind against them. Soon, they'd embark on their own kind of mind control campaign. Perhaps one of the only people wielding as much influence as DeWall was his manager, a man named Sir William Stevenson, who helped organize DeWall's most high-profile interview, one that touted a conversation with, quote, the modern Nostradamus of our time. History buffs might recognize his name. Sir William Stevenson is actually one of the most famous spy masters in history. In fact, to the later shock of the American public, both he and DeWall were actually working directly for British intelligence the whole time. For months, they meticulously built DeWall's credibility and platform in preparation for their greatest and most high-stake ruse to date. DeWall publicly predicted that, quote, a strong collaborator of Hitler, who is neither German nor a Nazi, will go violently insane, likely somewhere in the Caribbean. If his prediction were to actually happen, it would accomplish two things. It would show the American people that there was instability forming among Hitler's allies, and it would show that DeWolle really could know the future. Three days after his bold proclamations, Americans woke up to a newswire informing the public that the Vichy High Commissioner of the French West Indies, Admiral George Robert, went so crazy while sailing his fleet through the Caribbean that his own crew had to restrain him. Soon, DeWall would become a sort of celebrity in America, someone who had truly untapped the powers of the mind. The American public, already enraptured by DeWall's predictions and warnings of Hitler's danger, they were fascinated, and millions would read his fortune-telling column and hear his warnings about the Nazis. Now, I want to pause here and address something that this story illustrates. Fake news can be its own type of mind control. This season, we've talked about things like psychotronic satellites that can supposedly penetrate minds with extremely low frequency waves. We've talked about seemingly psychic powers and extrasensory perception. But there's actually a mind control tool that isn't paranormal that may be more powerful than any of those. It's called fake news. Because there's something important to note in this story. The Vichy High Commissioner of the French West Indies, he never went crazy. He was never restrained by his own staff. The public believed something that was untrue. And that belief might just be able to dictate their behavior. The news of the military leader going crazy, it was fake. That's because all along, it didn't matter to the British if the prediction came true, only if people believed it did. It was the perfect fake news story because it was a lie that was impossible to fact check. Doing so would involve contacting the enemy and believing what they told you. The intelligence officials realized that if people are convinced an injustice has transpired or a threat is imminent, their reaction to that information, it isn't predicated on what actually happened only in what they believed happened. As Annie Jacobson notes in her incredible book, Stevenson once even bragged, quote, an ever-growing audience is becoming convinced of DeWool's supernatural powers, end quote. While starting to slowly turn the tide of public interest with its own brand of mind control, British intelligence would soon up the stakes. They would use their techniques to try to take down Hitler's Third Reich from the inside. Their target was one of the many Nazi officials personally obsessed with the paranormal, mind control, and future telling. Hitler's second-in-command, Deputy Fuhrer Rudolf Hess. Hess, much like fellow Nazi Heinrich Himmler, who we discussed in earlier episodes, was fascinated by the occult, mind control, and astrology. 
When his personal astrologers, that some historians now believe were compromised by intelligence agencies, convinced them that he could end the war by flying to the UK and personally negotiating peace without the knowledge of Hitler, Hess took the bait, and he started learning to pilot a plane for a very long upcoming covert flight. Hess was deeply obsessed with the cult, and he believed that the stars literally aligned for his own destiny. His astrologers allegedly gave him a specific date, May 10th. On that day, in 1941, he boarded a massive plane, a BF-110 bomber, and flew so low to avoid radar that he needed to sneak along rivers and waterways as he made his way to Scotland. Once over Glasgow, he literally jumped out of the moving plane and parachuted into a field just outside of town. Seriously, Hess literally bailed out of a bomber, parachuted into a field, and expected to single-handedly end World War II. All on the advice of astrologers who may have been taking their orders from spies. Obviously, the plan failed, and Hess was brought before British authorities, detained, and was eventually sentenced to life in prison, along with other Nazi leaders. Hess would later take his own life in prison. Back in Germany, Hitler was so enraged by Hess's betrayal that he had authorities round up anyone involved with psychic practices, and he made astrology a crime. But even then, Allied intelligence saw an opportunity. They created fake versions of banned German astrology and paranormal magazines and tried to smuggle them into the country. The thinking was, if they could get high-ranking Nazi officials to believe fake astrology reports, maybe they could do the same to the German people. There's an old quote from the late Doors frontman Jim Morrison that reads, Whoever controls the media controls the mind. The CIA, they've long understood this. This song had been written by the CIA to insert into the Soviet Union to encourage change. Could that be possible? That the CIA could have collaborated with a German hairband to write a power ballad that ended the Cold War? and somehow kept the whole thing secret ever since? That's what we want to figure out. The investigation will take us from CIA headquarters in Virginia to the rock clubs of Leningrad, to the walls of the Kremlin in Moscow. That's a clip from the trailer from the incredible podcast Wind of Change from journalist Patrick Radden Keefe. In it, his team tries to find out if a rumor he once heard about the CIA was true. According to one of Keefe's sources, in the early 1990s, the CIA wanted to try to figure out a way to spark a revolution in the Soviet Union and in the Cold War. The rumor went that the CIA actually helped write the hair metal power ballad Wind of Change by the band The Scorpions, a song that contains lyrics like this. The world is closing in Did you ever think That we could be so close Like Did you catch that? The Scorpion's frontman is singing this. Listening to the wind of change, the world is closing in. Did you ever think we could be so close like brothers? The future's in the air, can feel it everywhere, blowing with the wind of change. Take me to the magic moment on a glory night where the children of tomorrow dream away in the wind of change. If you didn't know any better, that sounds like a subtle call to reject communist rule and rise up to make some changes. I don't want to spoil the outcome of that podcast, but I really would suggest giving it a listen. At the very least, you'll walk away with a deeper level of appreciation for how far the CIA might be willing to go to, as Jim Morrison said, control the mind. 
Because here's the thing about understanding the CIA's disinformation strategies and so-called black propaganda campaigns. The brilliance isn't that they might be able to convince you that something untrue is actually true. It's that they can make you doubt the things that are actually true. And by mixing real intelligence with disinformation, they might be able to make you question everything. It's a strategy so simple that even Michael Scott could understand it. How do you untell something? You can't. You can't put words back in your mouth. What you can do is spread false gossip so that people think that everything that's been said is untrue. Whether it be a concerned military veteran wanting to do the right thing by telling officials about strange lights in the sky, or a gullible Nazi official thinking that a cultist could help him end a war, intelligence officials have shown they are willing to lie. Deception is at the heart of spycraft. Turns out, you don't need mind-penetrating frequencies and strange drugs to control minds. You just need the right message coming from the right messenger. Keeping that in mind, I want to play you a clip. One time we had a, a small plane go down somewhere in Africa, and we were not able to find it by surveillance. So the director of the CIA heard about a woman in California that uh, was a medium or something. I don't know the title for And she gave him the latitude and longitude of the plane's whereabouts. We located the plane where she said it was. And that's the only time that I have ever experienced something that was inexplicable while I was president. That's the voice of former President Jimmy Carter in an interview from 2016 that's featured in a documentary called Third Eye Spies, which you can watch on YouTube. Carter's referring to a strange incident that took place in 1978. It was then when a Soviet spy plane outfitted with top secret technology crashed somewhere over the Central African Republic. US intelligence officials really wanted to get to that crash site first, but in order to locate it, they needed to tap a new kind of intelligence operative a real-life psychic spy. Airman Rosemary Smith was part of the Army's secretive Project Stargate initiative, whose goal was to train soldiers in the art of, quote, remote viewing, essentially using their mind to locate lost things, see inside of far-off places, and do the kinds of strange mental exercises that Uri Geller would use in his tests with the CIA. President Carter says that the CIA tapped Smith to use her psychic training to try to find the missing spy plane. Here's how Jimmy Carter described it in his speech in 2016. He said this, and this is a quote, The woman went into a trance and gave some latitude and longitude figures. We focused our satellite cameras on that point, and the plane was there. End quote. When he was later asked how he personally processed the event, he later replied with this quote, With skepticism. Did the military psychic spy actually find the lost enemy plane? If the story is true, it means the results of Project Stargate could be far more advanced than any civilians have ever realized. However, if the story isn't true, it means the U.S. had other clandestine means of locating that downed spy plane, and were willing to lie to protect the secrets of it. For the CIA, either of those outcomes fits into a larger strategy, and that's to keep their enemies in fear about what they're actually capable of, without actually revealing their methods. The plane story is either an astounding feat of mental power or just a well-executed piece of black propaganda. Sure, President Carter made the comments decades after the incident, but maybe there was a reason for that as well. To find out the truth, we'll need to look at the Army's mysterious program to take soldiers to Fort Meade, Maryland and turn their minds into the ultimate surveillance devices. 
ones that could enter invisible rooms, observe people thousands of miles away, and go completely undetected. So, what did the members of Project Stargate actually learn to do? Well, that's next time on Hiding Something. Hiding Something is a production of the Ironclad Content Network. All episodes are written by me, Jesse Carey. Our editor and post-production producer is Chandler Strang. And hey, listen, if you like the show, be sure to leave us a rating and review in Apple Podcast. It really does help more people discover the show. All right, thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.